0: This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels
1: and Maxwell Vogue. Hi everyone, my name is Joris Peels, and this is another episode of the 3D Pod. And welcome, as always, Maxwell Vogue.
2: Hey Joris, how you doing today?
1: I'm well, and well, how are you?
2: I'm fine, thanks. Who do we have on the 3D Pod today?
1: Well, today we've got Melissa Snover. And Melissa is a founder of Nourish 3D. She's actually a serial entrepreneur. And she kind of looked at, at, at this 3D printing and said, okay, what can we do with 3D printing? And what can we do that's useful? And she looked at food and she looked at nutrition and things like that. And she ended up making, while well, doing some experiments with gummy bears and candy, and ended up making kind of a customized nutritious kind of nutritional supplements. The idea is you have like nutritional gummies that could be customized to particular people or particular types of disease or things you need, or actually to you as a person. And they've been uh, uh, and they didn't end up making a printer or like a service for other companies. They ended up making a product uh, for for end users, and they're right now working with Colgate and other companies to commercialize that product. So I think it's a really exciting push to market. A lot of people in our industry get stuck on the technology and and they don't really look at what the value is for for, for society as large and 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 and, and uh, uh, too closely at the the potential of taking a product to market. So there's a lot of people uh, that kind of yeah, we get with two technology focused startups. And this is a startup that's really focused on user value and the application. So I think that's really, really very exciting. Uh, so yeah, welcome to the show, uh, Melissa. Thank how are you doing? You.
0: Yeah, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Um, I am a fan of this podcast and also of uh, okay. 3DPrint.com. So great to be here, and uh, really oh, appreciate you. it. Yeah,
1: thank you. So first off, I mean, I, I love. I mean, I love that you got you looked at 3D printing and you concluded that the opportunity was like like uh, you know 3D printed uh, nutritional supplements. So t- tell talk us through like how you how you got to Nourish 3D, like how did you get to founding the company?
0: Yeah, so basically I was making um, gummy confectionery, you're absolutely right, in the very beginning, but in my first company, Goody Good Stuff, which was a vegan gummy brand, I made it in big massive factories that I didn't own. So I used other people's factories and I basically had the opportunity to sell that brand in I think 2015, and when I came out of that deal, I was so frustrated and I had the worst hangover from all of the limitations of mainstream manufacturing, the slowness of MPD, the huge minimum order quantities of any one individual flavor. And, and I just thought it wasn't going to be the right way to produce products for the future because the consumer is too demanding now. And, and also they deserve to be that way. And and I wanted to be able to create a, a way for consumers to make whatever they wanted At that moment. And so that's when I started developing 3D printers for food. And I had no idea what I was getting into really because I'd never 3D printers before. Honestly, I was really wet behind the ears and I had no idea what i was doing i that's when i started reading 3dprint.com i read fabricated i read every book i could find on 3d printing i i met rich rap and i went to all the shows and i bought 3d printers and took them apart and put them back together and almost lost my mind but i was able to really develop a device which was rather simplistic at the time but where you could make any color, flavor, and shape combination of confectionery. And that was really my first kind of go-to-market. And then I realized, you know, candy, it's fun, but it's a novelty. And actually, if we could do something that would add real value, that needs personalization in a really, really powerful way, like our health and wellness, both preventative and curative, then that would add serious value to people's lives. And that has really a, a chance to be a serious business with real impact. And so that's when I started Remedy Health and Nourished was our first product to market, which is, um, like you said, very mm-hmm. well described. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. the, the first ever really manufactured, customized uh, 3D printed gummy vitamin or nutritional supplement.
1: And I like this idea because a lot of people, like I said before, like a lot of people get stuck on the technology, but you were always focused on the user, right? Or are you always focused on the business opportunity? What's the? Why did you not build a printer or not, uh, you know, why did you go for, for, for the, the final product?
0: So, yeah, I think firstly, I'll just say we build all of our own technology. So we have all of our own printers. And I think now we have 15 patents on 3D printing hardware. So we do build our own printers, but we, well, we, what you said uh, is exactly right. So the way our development cycle works and the way my first ever development cycle worked was I thought of an end product I wanted to create. And I developed a technology solution with both hardware, well, with all three, hardware, process, user experience, and material. So I guess that's four, that would make that possible. So I didn't start with, oh, I want to make a printer. I started with, Consu- I want consumers to be able to get this product. I think this is missing. I think that they want would want this with an empathetic kind of consumer-first approach. And then we develop technology solutions that make it possible to make that product. And it was the same thing with Nourish. It's the same thing with Scripted when we look at personalization and curative health. Um, and that is the way our development cycle is so different than, like you very rightly said, so many other companies that are focused on the technology as opposed to what it's actually going to do as a part of benefiting, you know, the public, the consumer, the market, et cetera, in the end.
1: Okay. So I like the idea that you have this idea that what consumers want, but I've also talked to a lot of startups where they have this kind of ingrained idea that consumers want, I don't know, personalized furniture or whatever. And that turns out out (laughs) not to be true, right? I mean... Uh, so, how do you validate? No, that? Well, I want mean, my couch printed,
0: Joris. Yeah, no, yeah, no I mean, it been, doesn't sound. I know that there's some amazing materials you can now print, but I just think that sounds very uncomfortable. However, um, yeah, actually, you're absolutely right. I think the biggest thing that I teach a lot of the um, young people that I mentor is, you know, you might have an idea, but you've got to research it and you've got to test it before you go too far into it, because a, you'll probably learn and, and be able to fine tune that idea. And B, um, if it is validated, you'll feel extremely um, convicted about it and you will feel like you've done your research. And so when I looked at Um, you know, the first first go-to-market around confectionery, it was around this idea that people really wanted to be able to make something. And the way I came up with that idea was I used to do my own sampling in stores with my previous product. And people would always come up and say, do you not have this flavor? Do you not have this? Do you not have this? And it made me really upset that we, we weren't able to say yes to everyone. And so that's really where I was kind of validating this idea. But really with the supplements i knew that this was a good idea because i was carrying around a disgusting plastic bag full of vitamins with me when i would travel and you know a it wasn't very hygienic and b it was complex see it was almost dangerous because really once you put them in a big bag instead of holding all the bottles you can get it wrong like once i took melatonin in the morning thinking it was chromium it's not a good idea uh to do it and so i thought if you could make it easy for people By using 3D technology, because each person is unique. I mean, if you guys think about it, all this stuff that people are talking about, you customize your shoes. I mean, that is cool. You should, like, actually, insoles being customized makes a lot of sense. But you can customize your car. Your clothing is by nature of your choices customized. So basically, Mm -hmm. you know, when you think about it, those things are nice to have, but they're not making an incremental, really, really powerful impact in your overall life. But the idea that you take the same vitamin or you take the same medication dosage as someone who's totally unrelatable to you in their lifestyle or their needs is kind of wrong actually when you say it out loud. like i was taking the mm-hmm. same multivitamin as my mom. that's weird. Mm-hmm. she's much older than me. she she's never been to a gym in her life. she you know like she's a very different woman. so this idea that we need the same things is inherently very flawed. And so that was how we started about it. And then what we did when we still had the candy business was we asked 10,000 people, would you find value in this? What would you want this solution to be like? And then we took their Mm -hmm. input and we made it into a reality. Mm
2: -hmm. You you Mm -hmm. did a survey? Yeah. Like a survey monkey kind of thing. And then I'm just curious, like, how did you prevent like bias, so to speak, to getting into the survey? Because, you know, the way you word questions can be, so influential.
0: Totally. (laughs) Totally agree. So we just ask people hypotheticals. And firstly, we ask people, what are you doing now? What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? If you could improve it in some way, what would it be? what about it is the worst part? Is it the convenience? Is it that it sucks to swallow 20 pills in the morning? Is it that, um, it's annoying to have to reorder stuff at different intervals? Is it, what is it about it that you dislike the most? And then what we also asked people was, do you know what you need? What do you, what do you take and what, how do you get that information? Where are you getting it
2: from? Uh, it's
0: confusing. And so one of the big, kind of benefits of our services, of course, we have to have the 3D printing technology on the other side to be able to manufacture the product authentically. But firstly, we create an algorithm which is linked to, oh, I don't even know today, probably over 10 million different data points around research, clinical trials, government advice, et cetera, around different nutrients and the different combinations, which will be best suited based on your lifestyle, your existing health conditions, the goals you have. Um, And that helps people to figure out what will be best for them. Then we make it on demand, has high levels of all those nutrients, which are beneficial, and then they actually – see a result so you know we have a really really loyal and very retained customer base so i think those are the kinds of things how did we get them to do it this is a funny story so when we had the candy business we were like how are we going to get people to answer it we had a decent social media following at the time and it was like offer everyone 50 pound amazon gift cards to do it right zero people did it it was like they thought it was fake oh really zero people zero <laughs> not one person then we tried Giving people one free bag of candy, and we got 10,000 mm. people within two weeks. <laughs> it's insane. I was insane. That's I was like, that's hilarious.
2: <laughs> that is hilarious. I'm, I'm curious. So, what you say, like the candy, candy was kind of a novelty. Was it that putting printers into homes was just kind of an unrealistic goal for the candy side of it versus? Is now you found you know producing something, but also something useful is great. But I'm I'm wondering why you think that the candy side wasn't. Um more of a hit and why we think it's a novelty in the 3D print space.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, it was a hit. We deployed it in 150 different locations and not in homes. So it was in places like Dubai Mall, Warner Brothers World Theme Park, Dylan's Candy Bar in New York City and Chicago. I saw that one. I didn't to say that. (laughs) So, and it was, it made money. There's no doubt about it. And people loved it. And it created a PR, um, it's created a huge amount of PR. You could create anything on demand. You could upload a logo, you could to draw pictures and turn your picture into 3D candy and all that stuff was really fun. But at the end of the day, I, as an entrepreneur, I just feel that if your technology has the power to make a beneficial impact and you're not uh, pushing that to its fullest potential and your fullest potential, then I think that's, that's irresponsible in a way. And so the Magic Candy Factory's number one selling product was something called a Sweet Selfie. Which was a candy of your face, which is super funny. But do do you yeah. need it to live? Will it improve your life? I don't know.
2: No, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not to be blunt about it, but well, no. you're right. you're right. This is
1: Fair the people enough. would eat themselves, or would they give the candy to other people? Well, this is the funny thing. More disturbing. People, yeah. they, <laughs> they save, it yeah. save it.
0: this one woman in Liverpool yeah. ordered a hundred uh, selfies of her face to give to people yeah. for Christmas. (laughs)
1: oh wow that's good
0: it's weird i thought it was weird but you know what it it was good business it was fine but um, i think i
1: think it's interesting because a lot of people get caught up in the entrepreneurs somehow or like have to work harder and try harder and and it kind of gets people in this sunk cost fallacy to keep going with things while they're down the wrong path and i love the idea that you were you weren't stuck you weren't failing you were doing okay but you changed, you walked away from it anyway. I think that's really powerful.
0: Yeah. I think this is one of the hardest lessons you have to learn as an entrepreneur. And I certainly said that I did that and it's true, but I I didn't do it without difficulty. I think when you, Mm -hmm. when you create something from nothing and you put so much of yourself and your time and you become, it becomes part of you and you have to say, you know, this is no longer the right way to go. It is a little bit like, like giving your child up for adoption or like, um, you know walking away from a huge chapter of your life and so it is really hard but it is it is important to be able to do that and you're absolutely right I've seen so many not just young entrepreneurs entrepreneurs of all ages try and stick something out for such a long time for pride because they do think it's just about hard work harder and they're not looking at the macro picture and they're not seeing mm. that the market has changed or they've they've answered a problem no one's at, you know, having or yeah. yeah and it's difficult because you you have to give up on part of a dream that you had or something that you feel very strongly about but i try and see it as it's it's just optimizing like i don't think i gave up on anything we took what we already created which i needed to do first there would be no way to shortcut this and i've i learned so much from it and then we were able to optimize and grow and improve and the next thing came. And so more of an evolution than saying goodbye to something.
1: And then the other thing is you could have, because you actually, you just stopped the candy business, right? You didn't like sell it or do it at the, because it's also to say, like, we're going to, yeah, we're going to do it both, you know?
2: Right. Yeah.
0: You could have done that. And certainly we were, we did appoint a team to run it um, because I had to put full focus on the, the new company. But then COVID hit, and like experiential retail events, (laughs) it just candy being printed live and handed to people from inside of a consumer environment. Even though it's still legally allowed, like even now after COVID has, in a lot of places, it's kind. You you know you wouldn't know that it happened. Um, If you ask someone, of course they would know, but you wouldn't know from looking. It's still people don't want to receive food samples live. Does it make sense?
1: Yeah, 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 I, I have a so. problem going to buffets.
0: Yeah, buffets. Buffets yeah. oh, right. <laughs> <These> are gross. <laughs> I
1: don't know why, but it's... no, seriously. If you I don't think know. about
2: them, they actually yeah. are pretty They're gross. They're really, right? really like, gross. It's the same way blowing on
1: candles on a birthday
0: cake. Oh, wow. that's also gross. If you, yeah. It,
2: it's really gross when you actually oh. think about it that you're just spreading mm-hmm. germs all around. So I'm, I'm happy that that might have been killed by COVID, that we're just going to like put a candle to the side or something. I don't know.
0: Yeah, but, It's yeah. right though. You're right. Or maybe, I don't know, people start putting like a little film over the top of cakes.
2: Some, yeah. Or something. But it's just, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like I don't want to make too much of a pain in the ass out of no. it. You're right. If you, when you think about some of these things that are just cultural norms that we put in place. Yeah. Like, yeah, and then you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. Like why are we doing that?
0: Yeah, this, like you know? in Europe people mm-hmm. kiss each other three times before meetings, do you know, like mm-hmm. in in, right. in like France and the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. So one, two, three, and you're like, Wow, we did that for years. We still no.
1: now they're doing it again. And so it's, it's back. It's back. It the is kissing back. is not back. The right.
0: kissing is back. Yeah.
1: No. <laughs> but so, and then, right, so in the so- beginning, <laughs> in the beginning you had an exit, right? So you, you, you probably self-funded it initially. Like when did you have to go look for investors?
0: So remedy health, actually, um, we started getting investment about two or three months after I started the company and that was in a seed round. So that was the hardest round by a long mile. Um, because I was just basically going to people with an idea with a really pretty deck and like, and some experience, some relevant experience, but really an idea. And so you're asking people.
2: This, this is after the, the gummy printer and stuff, right? This is when you're trying to do it for medical or for yes, the software. that's right. So with yeah. the
0: other two business with, with goody good stuff that I didn't take external investment, but I did have, um, you know, friends and family come in on that. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and to be honest, there was other people that were invested in that business you know, in a way where they weren't acting in it, but they were just, you know, supporting from a monetary point of view, but it was not people like VCs and strategics like what we talk about today. It was more like friends and family style stuff. And with um, Magic Candy Factory, I did that in a joint venture with Catches Germany. So that they helped support it, but I put also a lot of my own money into that from my sale of the previous company. So Magic Candy Factory never, you know, because it was still going, it wasn't like we could take the money out of it and put it into the new business and so it was more about we have to start again and we also need different kinds of money and we need different kinds of support because it's a very different thing to do a confectionery business although it's not easy and people often think oh it's candy it's easy it's not actually easy it's a highly competitive yeah, environment easy. yeah <laughs> um but what we needed was you know, serious people to come in and support us on what was potentially going to be a very long lead development process um, with big picture and long wallets and, and vision for the future. Now, I am not a patient woman and never really have been. And so I was very keen to go into the medical side first, which we did start first. But I knew at the same time that the medical side and the approval process from the medical side would take yeah, six, five, six years, even for the very, you know, very minimal thing. And you can look at it in stages. And so, you know, I was like, right, well, health is more than just curative. It is preventative. It starts with prevention. And the VMS market is obviously huge. Nobody's able to make a personalized gummy vitamin. We potentially can do that. Let's look at doing that now while we also have this ticking on the side. And um, And we basically raised... In dollars, I don't know because the currency fluctuation is mental at the moment. So I can't possibly imagine what it would be. But in pounds is what I raised it. And it was Oh, yeah, give it to us in pounds. Two point five pound two point five million pounds. And it was the highest ever female founder seed round in UK history. And the thing I the reason I say that is I want someone to beat me immediately. That is not enough money right. to be the record. And we didn't even It's know. three million dollars. It's really not, it's yeah, not a lot from of money. a from, from
2: from those types of investment things that is not a lot it isn't and
0: it really shocked me when my because we didn't even know that and some journalists wrote it and we're like whoa is that true um and so that shocked me to the core and i really want that that someone to beat me (laughs) yeah
1: yeah that's like that's not a nice like thing to win no exactly
0: Yeah, i'm kind yeah. of like what somebody come behind me and smash that you guys come on uh, right. um,
2: like if it would have been three billion dollars yeah like
0: awesome. right, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? You know? exactly yeah. exactly so so that was the hardest one but then we built a, a factory and then we built a second factory which was for machine building and we still today have an entire facility that all they do there is build machines and build all of the mm-hmm. hardware that support all of the different products that we make um, and now we have a third factory, which has um, a much bigger production facility. We have 120-ish people now. And I raised a Series A in the middle of last year to be able to facilitate all of that growth. Um, And now we're not going to raise again until at least 2023, but maybe even longer because it's not exactly a great Market right it's now it's, out there.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's not friendly out there the seas are a bit rough so yeah i'm not interested yeah. in going to that kind of a situation but luckily we have great investors that came in in the series a i couldn't be more happy with the people that have come on um to support us and um yeah so so i think we're lucky
2: are you guys profitable or not? Or oh no, no. Yeah, fair enough.
0: <laughs> and, we, and we're not. We're not meant to be. We're not forecasted to be. No, oh, no. Yeah, uh, we're not enough. meant to be. What I am proud of is even in the middle of COVID and Brexit and all of the crazy supply chain thing, we came in above our EBITDA target every year from the year that we started, and we we're on track to do that again. Well, there, yeah, there you go. That's,
1: <laughs> so, is is, is is the Brexit thing? I mean. Uh, is the Brexit thing problematic or was it just a bit supply of uh, It is. Yeah. A, it is was an it... issue
0: for a lot of people, but luckily when, when we set up the remedy group, I knew it was coming because they'd already voted on it. And so I set up the supply chain here in the UK with like 98% UK supply uh, so that no matter what, we wouldn't be in that situation. It served me very well. We haven't run out of a single thing ever. And I think when you guys are doing 3D printing all the time, you'll know, you'll understand this. It takes me a long time to explain this to people outside of of additive manufacturing we only use what we need right so we're not like remaking <laughs> loads and loads of stuff and just letting it sit there <laughs> and then it going out of date or having an issue and not being able to get i've never thrown away a single thing we've, we've never had a single thing go out of date and we use what we need and then because everything is trackable because everything is linked in with an erp and because it's all you know automation technology we can forecast what we need extremely accurately um, and so we we order what we need and it helps us to manage cash flow really well. And we don't waste anything. And our process is, you know, single batch, it makes it sound slow, but it's not slow. It's as fast as mainstream manufacturing, but it's just in a different way. So we have loads and loads of mini factories as opposed to one massive line.
1: So the technology, how does your actual technology work?
0: So we have multiple printers, but the one that we use for Nourished is the one that's probably the most famous. It's also, um, you know, fully in public domain and patented so we can talk about it fully. So basically we have, you know, it's an FDM printer, but it's got seven extruder heads, all with different materials in them that are unique to the individual that are selected um, on the basis of that individual's recommendation and put into the printer through automation and the ERP system instruction that all happens. So then seven different inclusions are then routed into the printer and then that printer has seven extruder heads and it's making seven products at every, any given moment It has a rotational impact uh, on the the bed. In effect is basically both a conveyor and a rotational um, axis, and that allows us to print extremely fast so we can make 28 units. So that's like four weeks, which is basically the general um, product that we send out. Um, and each of those individual units of the 28 has seven unique elements and a unique coding. And we can make that in around four and a half, five minutes. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is really and then, but how do you then yeah. track
1: that? Or does that just go into one packaging item or something like that? How, so how do you all of our entire process is then?
0: trackable. on um, uh, We have basically handheld PAs and barcodes. So basically when an operative comes down in the morning, they will log in. They will scan the products that are supposed to go into the person's product because we have QC checks. You know, we are at a BRC level. Mm-hmm. There's tons of regulation. We are FDA uh, registered and FSA and BRC and GMP and lots and lots of those. <laughs> all, all the letters. All the letters, sure. letters. We have them all. Yeah. And um, so basically that QC system and the trackability system is is much more Track, traceable than you would find at a mainstream factory because they're making tons and tons of something. Whereas we're doing single batches, if you would. So basically one print goes out, it goes into coating, coating in the correct flavor because we have 15 different flavors. And then it goes onto a flow wrapping machine where again, that barcode is picked up and then the printer prints the name of the person on. To the flow wraps while they're being filled with the individual products, and then prints a shipping label with the exact customer details, and then prints a recommendation sheet, which is basically like what your personal label would be on the back of pack. Like what is your ingredients? What is it for? What is your supplement facts? The nutrition facts? Um, any warnings if you have an allergen in your product? Um, and then that all gets put together and gets scanned by DPD, and then it goes into the traceability system for them to track until POD.
1: Okay, okay. And how do you get the unique formulation for me? Let's say I, I, I tried out one and it was like a quiz, right? Is a that always yeah, the case,
0: it's of yeah. It's not that many compared to some of our competitors. Cause when I was doing my research on this, I was like, I, I went through all of them, like really every single one that I could find. And I, and I realized, cause I'm a registered nutritionist and I've been doing this a long time. They're asking questions that have absolutely no impact on their recommendation. So they're doing mm. that because they want you to either, A, feel like it's robust enough for them to figure out what you need, or because they they want marketing data. So either one of those reasons. Means- what is your income? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> How does that affect? With- How does what that college degree? Affect- I admit- Surprisingly, has
2: more of an impact on your yeah. than one might
0: think, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Well, I mean, actually then, yes, you could make a correlation, but it's like some of the questions they were asking, I was like, this is either treating the customer like a moron because they,
2: mm-hmm.
0: or or really trying to sell their data. On. Anyway, I, I hate that stuff. I truly hate it. So we really fine tune those questions down to depends on which route you take, because the answers that you give determine a route of questions that you get asked. But around about, I think, 16 questions in total, the average completion time for it is under two minutes. And we have a completion rate of 89% today. Uh, So Mm -hmm. it is quite easy to use. But basically all of those different data points go into an intelligent logic algorithm, which uses intelligent logic to weight certain answers around certain things higher or must-to-haves. So this could be something like, I'm pregnant. Okay. If you're pregnant, you must not to have vitamin A, for example. Mm-hmm. And no matter how many other things will tell us that vitamin A would be good for you when you're not pregnant, mm-hmm. it will never recommend vitamin A because you're pregnant, right? right? And it might and then you're asked answering questions about your existing health conditions. Do you have hypertension, obesity, acne, hay fear? I mean, there's really a comprehensive list there that are linked to medical um, supportive supplementation regimes, which have been researched and endorsed by any number of publications, including American medical journals of different disciplines, uh, the UK PHIB Library of Medical Research, and so on. And then the most important one is your lifestyle. And a lot of people ask me, why don't you just do blood tests on people? Well, the blood tests are not accurate on a lot of nutrients because they change every day with what you eat. So... That's not helpful. Why don't you just use DNA? Well, because DNA doesn't change. And because your DNA doesn't know that you are a vegan or that you're overweight or that you're running a marathon for the first time. So it's not giving me anywhere near enough information. And so that the questions around lifestyle actually have the highest impact around your health today, what you eat today, how much you exercise today, how much sunlight you get today, whether you spend 25 hours in front of a screen like me, um, have the biggest impact on what you need today and what will have the biggest impact on your health. If we can find a nutrient or a bioactive or a probiotic that has some proven benefits to contradict that. Um, And then your goals. So Your goals are also important, but if you have a ton of medical conditions and your lifestyle is quite extreme, your goals might not be taken into account at all in the very beginning because really there's some stuff you have to sort out first.
1: And then the interesting thing to me is like, what happens if then... Like it, that, that situation changes. Do, 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 or do you prompt people to keep asking questions or, yes. or do you keep get back in touch with them? Or how does that work? Because maybe I get fit or maybe I get a yeah. you, of yeah. you
0: nailed it. You nailed it. The idea you should take the same vitamin mix every day for a whole year is totally flawed as well. The idea that we live the same lifestyle all year round, it's just not true. So in the summer, you'll be more active, usually, most people are. Um, In the winter, you'll eat different things. There's just something about the wintertime that makes us want more Moorish and stodgy food. I mean, we call it comfort food in the UK, (laughs) basically what we eat all year round, except for last week. Um, And then, um, you know, this idea, like you just mentioned, you might change your, your sleeping habits might change. Something might quite stressful might happen to you and you might have some issue, you know, some anxiety or yeah, you might get really fit and you might have a different goal then. So we encourage our customers to take the quiz every three months, minimum. We have some that take it every single month. They're very, very engaged. And we allow people to switch to anything else for no extra cost, no matter what, every day, forever. It doesn't matter to me. We don't really mind what people have at all. We don't charge different prices, even though the commodities cost different amounts, because we want people to to have what they need, not what is cheapest.
1: What, what, so now you're you're mostly sending people. Look, I, it's all online, and then I get it per month delivered me, right?
0: Mostly, um, we also have retail in the UK in Selfridges and Next, but we are currently working on Amazon actually for our LifeStack range. So the LifeStack range is not fully personalized. There's 25 different varieties that we make right now. And we add to them all the time because I think that's the other fun thing about the tech is if you guys wanted to right now on on the pod, we could come up with a blend, we could call it the 3D pod stack. And I could launch it on the website by the end of the day.
1: Really? Yes, at the end that. of the Let's
2: day. I, I'd like to do that. <laughs> do we get
1: royalties out amazing. of oh, yeah,
0: Honestly, we totally... <laughs> I,
1: I inhale a lot of, like, polymer uh, vapor, and...
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean Ultrafine particles is a problem. <laughs> we could do one for you guys. Well, you guys could come up with some things that you, you know, collectively think that you need, and then we... Or, mm-hmm. or we could have you all take the quiz, and we could take a... Kind of a mean value of them mm-hmm. all, but in general, the point yeah. is that we're all, we can make an unlimited number of shelf products. Like we can make sixty yeah. billion items right now.
1: Yeah, but then of course, and is it so? The idea is that you have a batch-based modular production thing. So then, if you did scale, you could then add more and more machines, right?
0: Yes, and we do do that as soon as we see our uh, production under an what we consider to be an unacceptable level of stress. We simply build another machine and we have a fully staffed technology team and an assembly team. That's what they do all day, all day. And they also develop new technology. So we are at the moment making a new printer every two or three weeks. And it takes us about a week to make one from start to finish, including QC testing.
1: Okay, I love that. I love that modularity approach because it is, does give you a lot of flexibility. You don't have to rebuild the factory or or stop it or that kind of thing. You could just uh, modularly add to that uh, production.
0: Yeah, it's also and- good for cost because when you're a small startup, you can't afford to just set up a new line every five minutes, and you can't afford sometimes even one line. So to be able to start small and then build out is really – Really good, and and um, we also built a totally new printer to do 3D printing protein bars. So we've just launched the. Pr- oh, okay, I was
2: wondering about that. I was like, are the protein bars 3D? Printed? Well, so they are. Yeah,
0: so not the whole bar. So we don't 3D print the chocolate and robing. That's totally pointless. It's not adding any value, and we don't 3D print the bottom base of the protein. So we make that ourselves. We make it all ourselves, but we don't print it. The the layers. Um, Two, three, and four are 3D printed.
1: Okay,
2: okay. And those are the layers with the with supplements. Essentially.
0: And also with you're, the variations you're... of flavors, because that's actually weirdly the bigger thing that needs solving in, in protein. Um, whereas in, in the gummy vitamin world, that was very clear that people needed variation in one small, easy to take format and information about what they needed. So those are the things we wanted to solve for with protein. When we asked everyone, and when we asked everyone now, we asked our own customers, which is thousands of people and said, okay, what in protein, first, do you take protein? Do you eat protein bars? If they said yes, then we asked them, okay, what about them? Would you improve? Like we did at the first one and overwhelmingly um, 70% plus was I'm sick to death of all the flavors. I have flavor fatigue big time. I mean, they said it in lots of different ways, but um, I really like them. I like how, what, how healthy they are. They taste bad. I, I've, I'm sick of all the flavors. I'm really bored. I have two of them a day. I'm so bored. So solving for that first.
1: So I, I like the market responsiveness, like what you just said, we can make one for the pod. Do you also use that for like uh, your marketing as well? Do you make like specific ones with maybe influencers or maybe like Halloween candy or whatever special events or there's a heat wave right now? Special. Did you use that as Cooling well? Candy. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah. I know. No. Yes, of course we do. I mean, we made one for the queen called the queen bee stack for the original boss. Nice. Game. Yeah. <laughs> for her jubilee. Yeah. Um, and we made, you know, we make them for, you know, like events, people, like we make them for them. We make it for companies. Sometimes we make, it, we don't really work with influencers that much. I, I, I have, um, I think that the creators on TikTok are very authentic, so it's very different. So I'm pushing them out of this, this, uh, comment, but the, re- there is a lot of, I think, skepticism around influencers now. I think that a lot of, there's been a lot of, I don't know, what would you call it? Profiteering?
2: Yeah. yeah. Or undermining. Yeah. They were, they're very easily bought.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so. And I just think our customer is smart enough to know that it's not true when someone's standing there. I totally love this. Like, it's just like an old fashioned commercial. We've gone like all the way backwards again and I just don't like it. So I don't like it. I don't think if you have a really good brand, you have to do it like that. Um so I try. We don't do it, and we don't pay people to talk about our product.
1: Yeah, I think now it's maybe there's a fatigue on that front as well. But um, and and just another thing. So, you know, before you seem to like kind of want to do this whole medical thing because there is still a medical thing. Are you still pursuing that, or do you yes. think there's just so much nutritional stuff that that you it could just, just takes just, time? Yeah, it takes time. It
0: takes time, and there's so much testing, and. And we are also looking at, you know, the medical world is so complex. And and I mean, it, VMS is also complex, but it's, it's a whole nother level of complex. You're talking about our 3D printer is a medical dispensary device. Then you have the material inside this matrix that we've developed that has to be proven to be able to protect stability of every single drug compound. Then you have, does it absorb the same rate in the body as if it was a traditional format like a tablet? So there's, you can imagine it's it's a humongous amount of validation you have to do and certainly it's not in vitro a lot of it you have to have real data with humans and and not just with humans but also um in stability testing in 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 vitro you have to be able to prove that the stability of the product in 1 month 2 months 24 months does not dissipate over time that the encapsulation is safe which we do that for food but we don't have to do it for for at the same level we you do it's not that different but it is a lot more Complex and every country, the medical rules are different, um, so it is it is more complex. What we're also looking at more recently is this idea of over the counter. So over the counter medication is still very highly regulated. Anything you put in your mouth is regulated by the Food and Drug Administration. They put them together, right? <laughs> um, and <laughs> this is this is something that is not unregulated or not easier, but it is um, from a process point of view potentially faster. If you have a ton of data around consumption and safety, which we do. And so we're currently looking at things like, could we make chewable, you know, medication with, with the active ingredients as well? So like, imagine if you could get something like, I don't know, aspirin with curcumin or turmeric extract, which is curcumin, which would be insanely good for people with arthritis because you're going to reduce inflammation plus reduce the, the pain at the same time. Like things like that, I think have huge legs and this kind of vergence between preventative health and curative health. I think it's inevitable and I think it's a good thing. And I think it's interesting to think what that could be. And our technology uniquely lends itself to be able to look at that more quickly than perhaps traditional manufacturing does.
1: Okay. Okay. I think that'd be very, very exciting. I think, and where do you want to be in five years? Let's say, where where, where do you hope to, to get with that?
0: I really hope in five years we have launched multiple different um, iterations of the preventative health. I think this has humongous impact potential, specifically for pediatric medication, which is which is not mm. not existing really. All the drugs are made for for adults and uh, adults, yeah, and children are almost an afterthought. And it's it's not just um, unsuitable; it's dangerous. And it makes me very unhappy and we need, we need to do something about that. And 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 I think when it comes to, you know, the nourished or the preventative side, our business is really working to try and find as many possible solutions and value adds that we can make that will satisfy and help, you know, the people, our customers, basically. We don't have a right to exist without them. And what they're asking for now is personalized pet treats for their other family members. <laughs> oh wow! Oh,
1: okay, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm worried at how successful that could be. Actually. Honestly,
0: I have a dog, and I yeah. and I would I want to give them to her tomorrow. I'm so excited about it. I like, and I think if we make them human grade ingredients which we of course yeah. would, the idea that- Well, you have to, yeah. oh my God, but a lot, of, a lot of them are not, which freaked me out when we did the research. I was like, oh my goodness, I did not know that. Um, but how much fun to make personalized pet treats with like special active ingredients that are for different dogs with different lifestyles and different breeds have different mm-hmm. predisposition to things like hip problems. Like I have a lab, I'm always worried about her hips, constantly uh-huh. making cookies with turmeric. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> your dog wants omega-3 <laughs> she does she wants she really does. <laughs> I, she does actually your dog does need omega
0: <laughs> yeah, she needs omega-3 she needs turmeric she needs you know and things for like no, dogs for allergies and dogs um you know dogs that have dandruff you can coat. yeah, but, yeah seriously Yeah. yeah. Gen- uh,
2: whenever i oh, accidentally yeah. feed an egg to my dog and then, oh. like a couple hours later and oh, her coat God. is like super shiny and i'm like yeah i get it supposed to feed you more eggs. Um, So, yeah, I get how a supplement, like a little treat that's got the things needed to make her skin and her coat look nice are also nice to have.
0: Yeah, Uh totally. I think it would be so Uh much fun. The most fun part is going to be that we're going to make like whatever, 10 different flavors of of the dog treats. And the first box that you'll get will be like basically a selection box of all the flavors so that the dog can decide what they like. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. Well, Melissa, it sounds like you got a, a big path ahead of you there, a lot of uh, fun things and also impactful things. I think it's a wonderful combination. Thank you so much. Uh, and, yeah, thank you for being here today.
0: Yeah, it was a pleasure, you guys. And if you ever want to put together something that you'd like to make, a 3D pod stack, I would love to make that for you guys. So please. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. And, and, Max, thank you for being here today.
2: Oh, this was fascinating. I'm always, food is always a fun one.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. and and thank you for listening guys and uh, have a wonderful day
0: you've been listening to the 3d pod
2: for more information on what you just heard or to subscribe visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint underscore com